Welcome to my gay playlist and stories from outside the closet. My name is Liv Lombardi and I am your host. This is a podcast about coming out and the music that inspires our journeys. To me, coming out is an act of honesty. It's something that we do every day when we decide to live our lives as authentically as possible. I think you can be on any part of the LGBTQ spectrum and come out. You could be straight and come out. As long as at some point in your life you decide you want to live authentically and that goes against the grain. Where are my dreamers at? Where are my freaks and geeks and weirdos and losers and nerds? If you were ever told you don't have a place here, I'm saying this table is set for you. So take a seat and tell me about it. And we'll start with this. What are your stories and what are your songs? If you want to follow along and listen to each guest's particular gay playlist as you stream our episodes, head over to mygayplaylist.com. There you'll find each episode's corresponding song list. Until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm super excited this week to have on Aaron Brothers, who is a... Gosh, you do so many things. Yeah. I, I think I'll just have you introduce yourself, Aaron, because I <laughs> like reading through your list of things. I was like, yo, maybe, maybe they don't sleep. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I don't. Um, I, I like to call myself a rascal of all trades. That's wonderful. Master of none. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, maybe master of some. Master of some. Yeah, that's, that's a little... You and my therapist would get along in that sentiment. Um, faster oh, some. Silver lining. Silver lining. Um, I am a music critic. I am a part-time armchair disc jockey. Um, I write for Country Queer and Overload. I just was published in a recent anthology called Bible Belt Queers, um, which is um, compiled by the wonderful Darcy McFarland. Um been working on an album for two years and nice. I'm, I just moved back home from Austin, but in Austin, I also worked um, as an activist with uh, Girls Rock Austin and oh, was a music cool. teacher and a mentor there. Love Girls Rock. I, my family, like extended family member uh, started the Detroit chapter. So I got really linked into what they do through her. Um, and I, that, that organization is just like, I think exactly what it is exactly what we need just to, to foster that in young girls. And yeah, totally. That's rad. It's a really beautiful um, organization and mentorship program. Like every time I volunteer with them, I always have this like beautiful reminder that the, that the people coming up in this world are in certain ways growing up in a kinder world and a more accepting world than mm-hmm. the one I was raised in. And oh my gosh! <laughs> and um, what I what one of the biggest focuses I had within that organization um, was I was a workshop developer for uh, women in rock history, um, which was also kind of a little bit of intersectionalism one hundred and one. Cool, that's rad. Yeah. So you were doing that in Austin. You just moved out of Austin recently. You were there for like something like twelve years. You said, "Yep, over a yeah. decade." Wow. Yeah, now I'm back home in uh, the natural state, Arkansas. Well, you know, I, I was pretty psyched to, I'm very excited to talk about your playlist, as I mentioned, <laughs> because 
Um, it's just like from the minute it starts, it's like, what world am I stepping into? Um, <laughs> and I have so many questions, so many things. And I just kept thinking as I was listening to it that so many of the songs on there, I mean, we got, I'm going to just pull it up real quick. We got like Tom Waits, we have the Velvet Underground, there's PJ Harvey, there's Hole, Bikini Kills, The Replacements. Like there's so many of these great counterculture, like subculture uh, groups, I, at least that I would sort of put with those, you know, into that realm. Um, and a lot of the songs on there, I couldn't help but notice there's like this unspokenness, like this theme of unspokenness or like secret sort of secret desire. Like I have a secret, just like uh, otherworldly reverence and secret sort of power, which I loved. Um, so it, it, it made me think, you know, what was it like growing up in Arkansas and then, you know, being in the South for most of your life? It did, and how was music a part of that? How was that just experience? How has it informed all of the things? It's a well, question, but. It is, and, but it's an important one because um, I, I believe that you know, it's our duty as be, it's my duty as a white Southern queer person to dismantle this motherfucker. <laughs> like truth be told, like we've got burn a lot, burn it the fuck down. And it's our job. I, I really do think it's our job, but, um, you know, growing up in that, I was, I was very much a tomboy. Um, cause it was the only place that I could fit in. Um, because even at a very young age, I had this notion, but maybe not the vocabulary, um, that to be a woman-bodied person meant that I didn't have complete agency over my existence. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I feel that. And and I and yeah, a lot of people have that experience. You know, like there's always somebody pinching your cheeks. There's always somebody asking you to sit in their lap. There's always somebody like touching you or asking you who your boyfriend is. They're not asking you what book you're reading. (laughs) You know, they're not asking you what your favorite color is. They're asking you these really innocuous things that have nothing to do with you except potentially tangentially. And a lot of the times it's without like you offering your consent into these things. And I hated that. Mm-hmm. I hated that as a child and I didn't have the words for that. So I was just like, well, to be girly means I don't get to have freedom. So anything girly, I'm not going to like, like abscond pink and, you know, anything that could be willed as being soft. I don't want to be. So I would just kick around and like <laughs> my knockoff Looney Tune Converse shoes and, my home haircut and Hell yeah, we would have been pals as little, <laughs> we, little dudes. <laughs> we definitely would have. And I wasn't, I definitely wasn't as wild as my little sister who literally ran around the backyard naked from the age of birth to about oh nine years old. Oh <laughs> I was far too timid. <laughs> Sidebar. I know Aaron through their little sister who I went to college with. Um, so just hearing you say that, I'm just like, I can just imagine Jude running around naked and oh, I can, setting shit on fire. That's We wonderful. could just m- make this episode about embarrassing Jude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's no, not I'll, have them, on, I'll have them on at a certain point. They, I'll bring it all up. You just give me the dirt afterwards. Make a long list for them. 
totally. But yeah, there was this, there was this idea of um, being expected to be part of a world that I did not really ask for. Totally. And then at the same time felt like I didn't get the handbook and all the other girls in school did. Um, the biggest, <laughs> I don't know, like for instance, when I, my first day of kindergarten, my older sister, Dilly, um, was like, you dress up for your first day of kindergarten. Hmm. And she had meant like you wear a dress and you have your hair done. Like it's your first day of school ever. But to me, <laughs> this is a hundred percent my Aquarius rising and just me beating my own drum, uh, showed up to school in a full cowgirl outfit. It was yes, Coca-Cola yeah. red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was Coca-Cola red with white fringe. Oh and that I was, I was like, yeah, we're dressing up for school, right? And I show up and everybody's wearing their Sunday clothes. And I was like, immediately like, well, I am very different from the rest of my classmates. <laughs> I, okay. There's the first thing that's wonderful about that is I, I think I, the same at some point in school, <laughs> also Aquarius rising. I got you. Oh, sick. Hell yeah. Like. I'm, not a, no, no, no. I'm a Libra rising. I'm an Aquarius moon, but I'm also a cusp. Anyway, we won't get into <sighs> astrology right now. All the feelings. There's a lot of feelings. Oh, um, yeah. But it's so, so hearing you say that, I'm like, okay, that makes total sense because, well, it makes sense to me just within my own like personal experience. Also, like hearing some of these songs, it, it was exactly that, you know, like, is there something unspoken that you aren't? talking about or is there something unspoken about your story that these songs kind of convey for you and to hear you you know say what you just said it's it what i'm hearing is like yeah i i didn't have i didn't have the information i needed to know how to be who i am um yeah. or who i would want to become and i mean i'm not sure how you identify specifically for me, as a non-binary identified person, I still struggle with that. Like, mm. what? Like, I'm not. I don't feel very feminine ever. I don't feel particularly masculine. I lean that way, but I don't want to be male. Um, and and so, where? How do you create your identity in the middle when there's no information for that? I, you know, it's taking me a long time, and like. I think what's so exciting about gender and queerness and sexuality is that it's like music, right? There's never, and you've finished the course, you know, everything right. there's, exactly. there's nothing like this. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and music is such a huge part of my life and it's, it's a huge way of how I express myself and it's how I, always really, it's how I found a way out. <laughs> it's how I found a way out. Um, out of your way or like out of that, like bullshit, like choose one thing. Yeah. The, out of the bullshit, choose one thing. Like, uh, I, I always really loved punk music and industrial and hardcore because it was very <laughs> the antithesis of expectation one mm-hmm. and two, a lot of them, there was such a, there's such a gender fluidity there. I didn't have that language when I was younger. You know, I was like, you, you never realize, you know, that you're obsessed with certain ideas until you like look back hindsight's 2020. Totally. But, uh, I had a friend, um, some odd years ago, I met them working at a co-op 
and I asked them what their pronouns were and they were like, I don't give a fuck. They looked at me and they were like, I'm post-gender. What? And I was like, I've never heard this. Could you explain that to me? Oh my gosh. And they were I like, on the edge of my seat. dude, you're about to have your shit blown. Okay. Holy they, were, they were like, I'm post-gender. And I was like, well, what does this mean? And they said, you know, I believe in a post-gender world. I believe in a world where my gender doesn't quantify my actions, the people I love, the things that I do, things that I'm passionate about. So because I believe in that world, I live in that world. So it doesn't really fucking matter what gender pronouns you use for me. Wow. I know. (laughs) It was like, I actually messaged them the other day and I was like, you know, you changed my life with that conversation. You right? just changed my life with <laughs> this welcome. information. Isn't that great? And I like, feel like my heart just opened up and I'm <laughs> like, what now? I know now. Now I know. It's all fake. Hey there. Thanks for joining us for our very first episode of My Gay Playlist. If you're feeling like you want to listen to Aaron's songs while we begin to talk about our playlist, head over to mygayplaylist.com. You can find every song on her playlist there. Now we're just getting into it. We're going to talk about some music and some feelings and some really cool stories that go in between it all. Your playlist starts off, first kiss, Tom Waits. (laughs) What is going on there? Like, I had to think, like, did you have a first kiss like this? Does it remind you of like the ragtag girl in the neighborhood that you wanted to kiss and couldn't? Like I had one of those growing up, you know what I mean? <laughs> like who, like who, where? <laughs> well, so I picked this song to open it up with because I, I really like unassuming things. And, um, you know, a lot of growing up and not understanding your gender or who you are attracted to especially in a very, very conservative red state, there is this idea of hiding in plain sight and you just live for the day that you can just be who you want to be, right? Mm, for just sure. be who as you are. Even if you don't know what that is, you just know that you want it. And <laughs> this song to me is, it's about two different things at once. It's about this person telling a story about this human that they like that they see in all these little idiosyncrasies, like having, um, having your personality put into a shadow box. Right. Right. And the love that comes with someone observing you and then someone who's just very willing to be themselves. Um, was it, uh, she's stronger than any man. She's got lips like cherries and root beer fizz. Like, it's so good. And then simultaneously, it's that person that you want to end up with. Yeah. And because also, I think a lot of people in their queer experiences, our first experiences, our first kisses, aren't that fucking great. No. No, they I suck. I mean, they, they, they are. It's like, I think the memory, like the romance of nostalgia I mean, my, I actually write about, reality maybe is different. (laughs) I don't know. I I wrote about my first kiss in Bible Belt Queers. And, um, for me, it wasn't a good experience. And, and I think that's that, I think that idea spans beyond, you know, queerness and all of this, where it's like, yeah, sometimes your first experiences aren't 
what you want them to be. Like they aren't and that's okay. But like, there's always going to be this one part of you that's like always going to be imagining your first moments. And as you get older, you feel like there are less first moments for you. Mm, Yeah, totally. And so there's like a romance in first times. But what I like about this song, what it's so unassuming is that he's like, yeah, she gave me my very first kiss. Yes. Mm -hmm. But he knows so much about her. So that means he's actually like developed a relationship with her outside of this romance, right? Yeah. And that's that to me, that idea of witnessing is so beautiful. And that's why I think it's the most perfect love song because it's like, yes, you want these parts of you to be witnessed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, like I want people to, I want the person who loves me to know that I can make pancakes out of anything in my pantry at any given moment of my life. Right. Right. Like that's a little whims- whimsical mysticism that I own, but I also want to be able to see somebody and witness those things in them. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And, and, and those, I think so much of, um, so much of that longing, like for those first times, I think to be, um, those magical moments, like you were Mm -hmm. saying, I think is a longing to be witnessed. Totally. And that's a part of being queer. That's a part of growing up in a closet and why you wait to come out. And for those of our family who can't come out, we have to be able to share our experiences and let them know. It's like, hey, it's not so much coming out, it's coming in. Mm. Like you're coming in, you know? Exactly. You know, it's interesting because I've, the, I, the more I've been talking to people, like part of my conversations have been about like, um, oh, like, people have said to me, like, I don't think we need to come out. And I agree to a certain extent. I think it's important though, no matter what, that you're coming out to yourself, no matter what that is. Like, and, and so when you said coming out versus, but it's also coming in like that, you need to go in and you need to get in there and figure out what it is that your heart desires, what it is that your soul has written for you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm a believer that like, no matter what you choose to do in your life, some aspect of it has, it's been written. Like you, what you, what you're born with, it's going to develop whatever environmental factors affect it. But like, it's, it's kind of already there. You need to figure out how you want to move with it. Does that make totally. sense? Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I love this song. It's because it's very much about somebody who's just decided how to live their fucking life. Be damned. Hell yeah. Well, and, and so, <laughs> you know, so much of your, so much of the playlist, I felt that just like listening through these songs, um, you have. Next up, you have Witchcraft by Frank Sinatra, which is just like <laughs> the fact that you threw Frank Sinatra on here and it fit perfectly. I was like, okay, hero. Um, and then I was you know, a big Frank Sinatra fan growing up. Yeah, it, it, I I wanted to ask, like, growing up, and and we chatted about this a little bit. What were you What mm-hmm. were you hearing in the house? Like, there was a lot oh, of God. different things. I'm sure. I'm really lucky. I grew up in a very uh, liberal household in a conservative place, and. Um, you know, my mom is an English teacher, but she's also like very post-punk. Like, I think she was pregnant with my older sister when she went to go see The Pretenders. Oh, hell yeah. And when she was pregnant with me, she went to go see Allen Ginsberg, which is hilarious because I fucking hate Allen Ginsberg. Sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not even going to get into a fight about that one. But uh, 
Uh, you don't want to quote but, Howl for the next like 20 minutes? I saw our minds of our generation. <laughs> a lot of fucking blonde. Anyway, <laughs> um, but like our dad was a, uh, was a jazz musician and then our grandparents have a huge classical music background. And so like at any given point in the house, like you would hear my dad making breakfast tacos and blasting the Gypsy Kings or my mom would be driving a minivan and we'd all be like singing the Dixie chicks at the top of our lungs or, you know, stuff like this. And so I, I really, before I got into rock and roll, before I got into any other really kind of music, I was, I was really very much into jazz. I was really into Frank Sinatra. And to me, Frank, (laughs) I don't know. He has a swagger and I wanted to be cool. And that's what cool looked like to me. In fact, uh, we had like one of those old tape deck recorders where you could um, not only record from tape to tape, but it had an external mic. So I actually, I remember I would make my own radio show using um, a Frank Sinatra tape, my mom's Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits, Volume 1. Van Morrison's Moon Dance and Janis Joplin's Pearl. You had all, and the, I, all the classics right there, right? All the classics. And then I would sing my own songs into the tape. Um, it was, uh, so I've been wanting to be a DJ and like a music nerd for a really long time. But Witchcraft to me, it's again, like one of those songs where, you know, when you're queer, you kind of have to, you get to have this like really beautiful experience of music of being able to be both the object in the song and also the person being objective in the song. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Could you like go in, like maybe explain that a little bit more? So like when I was a kid and I would listen to the song witchcraft, it was always really great to imagine being the witch in the song. And then also being the person singing about this witch. Mm. Yes. It was never one or the other for me. It was always like at any given moment, I could find a way to split my perception of the song. And I think that that's a, maybe it's just me and I just listen to everything in like a really non-binary way. And I've just done that my entire fucking life. Um, but there is always something like I really loved about this song as a kid where I was like, I can be this like very ultra feminine thing that's like very seductive and wild and free and then also be the person who's falling in love with that and somebody else. Does that make sense? Totally. Yes. Hey there. And now a word from our sponsors who we actually don't have yet, but I figured I'd rep some gear that I like to use while I make these episodes up here in my little home studio. So today we're shouting out SE Electronics. Thanks for making awesome mics, like this one that's in front of my face that I'm talking into. Hey, by the way, if you're listening and you want to hear Aaron's gay playlist, head over to mygayplaylist.com. You're always going to be able to find every episode's corresponding playlist there. All right, now it's time to get back to it. Now, the next, like, few songs on this, we have PJ Harvey, we have Kate Bush, there's whole Bikini Kill. It just, like, tears into this sort of slice of wonder that I just love so much. (laughs) And we had talked so much about, um, you had said something earlier about 
like not really knowing what you said something about i i didn't know what i wanted but i knew that it i knew that it was something that i wanted to be a part of something like that like this like this um idea of being of something but also not knowing why yeah do you know what i'm saying yeah i'm big in it and there was there's i mean uh, just reading through the lyrics of dress there's after the chorus she says it's sad to see lonely all this lonely close up my eyes dreamy dreamy music make it be all right and in this song, it's, you know, she starts off saying she's going to go out dancing and put on the dress and hoping that like he'll see her. Um, and, and then it gets to this part. It's sad to see lonely, all this lonely, dreamy music, make it be all right. Music play, make it good for romancing. Must be a way I can dress to please him. Swing and sway, everything will be all right, but it's feeling so damn tight tonight. And I love that. I mean, the imagery, how she... She takes this idea of a dress. It's not really about the dress. No. It being so tight and feeling so restricted. Um, to me, it, it really spoke to so many moments where I wanted to be, I wanted to feel filled by something. And I wanted to mm -hmm. be, um, I didn't want to feel lonely. And I, you know, would surround myself with people or go on a bunch of dates and just be kind of, you know, like busy with the, the sensory sort of feeling of like, Oh, I'm going to hang out with this person and this person and um, still feeling very empty and mm. having all of these things that should make you feel better um, that they don't. And um, that moment of realizing like, wow, like this thing should make it all right, but it isn't. And I'm just feeling, and then you realize you're kind of trapped like in your own head, in your own thought space, um, or environment too. I'm curious, like what, what these words meant to you, you know, why you put it on the playlist and, and if any of what I just said, you know, bears any significance or what your own experience of that might be. Yeah. You know, I think what's really brilliant about this song to me is that, um, you know, I grew up plus size and I grew up understanding that I was bisexual, but without the words for it. And I grew up understanding that I didn't really fit into an idea of a gender norm without mm -hmm. having that language. Right. And, um, I remember the first time hearing this song, I think it was like 17. And, um, it was the first time I'd ever heard a song about the burden of desiring the male gaze, but also knowing how it can, um, how obtrusive and how constraining that is. Mm. And because like, it's, it's a hard part about being bisexual and like being a female bodied person growing up being raised as a woman in the South, like you, there is this ingrained need for validation from the male gaze. And to me, this is what the song meant was if you wanted to be seen by these people, it, mean, it means you having to pour yourself into something that doesn't necessarily fit you mm. and how that can just 
weigh you down and it prevents you from actually being able to express what true femininity is. Um, there's so, what that is, so what is that to you? True, true femininity. I mean, how, what, ah, are, what have you come to? Can you answer it even? I don't know. Um, well, I mean, to me, true femininity is fluid. Being able to understand the fluidity of the body, of the mind, and of the heart, of being emotionally supple and flexible. Mm -hmm. I see those as very tantamount feminine traits. You know, I look back on my, my time as a tomboy and I'm like, I mean, I have no regrets. I, I, I've always Can been I just a slick say dresser. I, love but- <laughs> I, love, I look back on my time as a tomboy. Like, hell yeah. I love that. I look, I look back on my time as a tomboy though. And you realize that like, if you're just reacting to a norm, mm-hmm. By doing the opposite of what's expected, you're still acquiescing to the fact that it has power to oppress you, mm. you know, because a lot of like my teenage years and a lot of my coming out in, to myself and why this song draws meant a lot to me and it still does is that, you know, it's that sentiment of like, I felt like I didn't, I just didn't get the handbook that all the other girls did. Right. But right. really it was just that I wasn't allowed to see a broad scope of what femininity means. Mm. It's not all high heels and dresses. It's being able to make a beautiful home. It's being able to make a nice meal for your friends. It's being able to be a nurturer. It's being able to create a safe emotional space, not only for yourself, but for others. There's no amount of pink in the world that could be used to describe that. Right. So it, it, it leads me to my next question and maybe the, the next set of songs. All the things that you just spoke of are, are rooted in strength and like a tenderness. It's like vulnerability. Like we think of it as a weakness, but actually it's like a very strong, strong um, trait. There's this Brene Brown quote where she says that uh, tenderness or not tenderness, vulnerability is the best measurement for bravery. And, and I think that's, you know... <laughs> a lot of being clear and like a lot of the reasons why I'm, I'm very proud of who I am is because like you really have to be a tender warrior in this world to fucking survive. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so it, it, I think this leads perfectly into my next set of questions. Like, do you think that that is that sort of where these, cause I hear songs like Jennifer's body by hole and rebel girl by bikini kill. I mean, Rilo Kylie in general, I think Jenny Lewis is like, just like a badass. Like she's just like, she is like this, like seemingly soft, wispy thing, but like she's singing about some really in your face things. Like, are those part of why, like, does that, do they express that like strength that like harder, um, harder and, um, grittier side of femininity to you? Oh, totally. I mean, you know, with, I'm a huge Hole fan, um, obviously, and uh, Live Through This was maybe the first album that really explored the depths of feminine rage, Hell like yeah. divine feminine anger. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, there's like, what, what is it? Um, Violet, the whole album starts with that song. And at the end of the song, Courtney Love is screaming, go on, take everything. Mm -hmm. 
you know, which is just her saying like, oh, so you think you can use me? Well, fine. Cool. Like have the fucking shell. Fuck you. Oh yeah. (laughs) With rebel girl. Um, you know, I actually was lucky enough to see La Tigra in high school live at Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Seeing JD Sampson on the stage in front of me, like changed my fucking life. Um, but I put rebel girl on here because I remember, you know, so I, I had really long hair when I was a kid. My mom wouldn't let me cut it. She said it was like my one beauty. Mm. And like, and I was too, I was so afraid, I was so afraid and shy and timid. I, I couldn't do it myself. So I would let my hair grow out really long. And then I, I, I would go to um, get it cut off and donate to locks of love. Well, when I was a teenager, <laughs> I, uh, I got really mad at my mom one day and in the middle of a fight, I went into the bathroom and I put my hair in pigtails and I chopped off my hair and I threw it at her feet just being like, fuck you. It was like, I was such a timid kid. I never fought against this woman. So like, this was a big deal, but, um, you know, my mom, I love her. She's so supportive now, but you know, we all have our own like burdens and we all have our own stuff to unpack. And, um, the word dyke wasn't a good word. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, it's not. And it's also for people whose word, that's not their word. It is a fucking slur to be used. Yeah. I was going to say like, I love that word. Like I call myself a dyke all the time, but like, if someone else were to call me that with a tone that was not respectful, I would be like, all right, let's throw down right now, bro. Yeah, you're not fucking whoever you are like you you can get out or you can meet me in the back so like and i i remember distinctly blasting this song rebel girl my mother off you know i knew it unsettled her so i was just like i'm gonna unsettle you and then years later when i was volunteering at girls rock camp um i had a student um who I adore. Their name's Wednesday. <laughs> Literally, their God-given name is Wednesday. That's amazing. And they're cool as hell. Um, and her band, she was in um, like our, our youth volunteer helpers, and they have their own band where they're allowed to do covers instead of playing originals. And they were going to do a cover of Rebel Girl. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday came up to me and was like, hey, can I sing the word dyke? She's like, is that a bad word? Oh, wow. And I looked at her and I was like, well, are you saying it out of hate? And she was like, no. And I was like, could you tell me what the line is? And she was like, they say that she's a dyke, but I know she is my best friend. Wow. Oh, man. (laughs) I know. It makes me like emotional talking about it. And I was like, would you say that out of hatred? And she was like, absolutely not. And I was like, well, then it's not a bad word. Yeah. You know, the only people who make it a bad word are bigots. So like when she performed it live. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Uh, There's nothing like being in a room (laughs) full of kids who are going to change the fucking world. And they're all screaming along to Rebel Girl. (laughs) So that's why I put that song on there. Hell yeah. There's nothing more powerful than seeing the younger generation just like step in so fearlessly into the place that is meant for them, which is to change. 
to to make change to know that like they they can say and actually never thought of it what better freaking way than to hear them <laughs> sing rebel girl by bikini Kill? oh my god it's like revolutionary dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was like i don't know it was like this beautiful like circle in my own life like seeing wednesday on stage and she was leaned over and all of our younger kids they're like you know 10 11 years old they're like you know at the front of the stage their friends are up there you know and Lindsay leans over and she screams into the mic. They say that she's a dyke. <laughs> and you can see some parents looking super unsettled. Oh my gosh. Right? What, 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 but, what just happened? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, but I was just like, I remember being in the audience and just crying my eyes out because I was like, what a beautiful little divine circle yeah. in my own life that yeah. could have only happened because of Bikini Kill. <laughs> you know? Hell yeah. Well, dude, I'm so glad I asked about that tune. That's such a beautiful story. <laughs> that is such a beautiful story. So I want to, uh, I want to just chat a little bit about some of the stuff that you do when okay. you're not crafting at home <laughs> and you're being a generally awesome, creative and badass musical human. Um, last song, what would you like to just like mention on your playlist? Any particular one that like jumps out like, oh yeah, this one's awesome. Or like this I mean, for special. I have really great taste in music. <laughs> hey, I'm not disagreeing. Um, you don't even need to make a joke about that. You freaking do. I'm gonna. Really I'm gonna do. email you next week and be like, "Hey, uh, can you send me a playlist of cool shit?" Because I need. To. I actually do uh, two playlists a week um, of my own curation. I do a Monday playlist, and then I do a Friday playlist. Cool. Um, if you follow me on social media, I usually post about them. Yeah, and so where can good spots mention? Where can listeners? find you on social media um i'm on twitter as i just started 666 okay rad <laughs> yes and on instagram i'm regal debbie regal debbie um, and that's also your um what's the moniker for your over overload overload radio it's show actually, <laughs> it's from so my little sister when she was living in santa fe i uh, had a friend who had this old ass dog and you know, she was telling me about this dog, about how the dog would, you know, leave for days at a time and go run around with the coyotes and like bring back dead rabbits and shit. And I was just in stitches laughing about this dog because apparently this dog was found by her friend's mother walking on the side of the highway against like by Cerrios. And the dog was wearing a shirt that said, throw me a bone. Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> That sounds and, like such a new New Mexican story right there. Like, oh, it gets oh better. <laughs> so the mom picks up the dog and brings her home. And, you know, her son's, my sister's friend, I can't remember his name, uh, was like, I'm going to come and get that dog. And the dog, like, managed to, like, Houdini itself out of the backyard. It had, like, a chain link fence and it, like, tight roped walked on the big. Oh, my anyway. gosh. And so I'm laughing about this dog and I was like, Jude what is this dog's name? She was like, Debbie. And I just died. I was like, this is the best name for this old ass dog. It's older than Jesus. It was just a fucking scrappy badass. So it became part of our sister vernacular. Like when someone's being a bad bitch, we're like, yo, look at this real Debbie over here. Hell yeah. Dude, that makes it so much better. I love that. I love that. That's my DJ name forever. But on this playlist, I would say, if you haven't, I, I picked a lot of, things i would say a little quick fast little notes i picked cocteau twins cherry colored uh funk because my ex-partner adam who is 
a self-proclaimed gender NB clusterfuck. He would always talk about how like Cocteau twins, they sing in pixie gibberish. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that means they're like the most non-binary group that's ever existed. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So it's, it's non, that's, they sing in non-binary to me. So that's why I put it on there. I love how you're ta- how <laughs> you take sort of like this. It, I've never, I don't know if I've ever looked at uh, music in that, through that lens of like, can it be non-binary? I, you, you're really opening my eyes to a different lens of seeing songs or talking about them, which is rad. I am very grateful for that. <laughs> oh, I, well, I appreciate that. I don't know. And I would say, like, I put the ship song on there by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds because it's such a beautiful song of longing. And um, I think that's just such a huge part of the queer experience mm-hmm. is longing it really is we could and, do a whole another episode talking about longing and the queer experience oh god i mean yeah and then i ended the whole playlist with uh my personal favorite um an austin legend who i dearly miss he passed last year um daniel johnston yeah, my heart i just just thinking about the sound of his voice makes me want to sit and stare and you know dip into nostalgia longingness for the rest of time. He represented a lot of Austin to me and my own dreams there and a lot of my life. And, you know, I think a lot of the queer community, uh, we love Robin dancing on my own because we have this experience of watching other people have a life that we're waiting to have. Right. Mm, And to me, true love will find you in the end was my version of dancing on my own cool. yeah. growing up, you know, because it, it is this really wistful, hopeful song of just being like, you are going to be okay. Like you will find love. Even if it's not with somebody, I hope it's with yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. So on that note, I ask, I ask everyone this at the end of our, before we, you know, sign off, if you could tell your young tomboy self, your queer little baby self, one thing, knowing what you know now, what would it be? Eat whatever the fuck you want. Wear whatever the fuck you want. Don't be afraid to join a band and sing in public. And <laughs> stay the fuck away from Geminis. Oh, yes. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. I love it. Thank you so much for listening to our very first episode. If you like what you heard and you want to support Erin's work, be sure to check out her writing on Country Queer. You can also check out the podcast she works on called Memory Static and her contributing writing to Bible Belt Queers. You can follow her on Instagram at Regal Debbie. Be sure to look out for her EP that's coming out sometime in the near future. This show was created by yours truly, Liv Lombardi, that's me, and Courtney Ortel, and co-produced by Virago Artist Management, with additional support from Hannah Varnum. Music by yours truly once again, Liv Lombardi. As always, thank you for your ears and your hearts. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, write a review, and share with your friends. Until then, be kind to yourself and gentle. I hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time.